Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Mikey Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts for our first mailbag episode. Holiday mailbag episode slash an actual conversation this time now that we've had some time to really play it. Cyberpunk yeah. 2077. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last week we sort of teased talking about Cyberpunk, Micah. We didn't want to spoil stuff. We also hadn't really gotten through much of it. At this point, I've beaten the game. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Um... And I have definitively given up on it. So, I mean, like, we are we are prepared, like, at this Yo, you're getting a too. refund. First of all, you didn't just give up. You're getting a refund. I mean, you are eligible. I am given el- the latest yes. developments. Like, yeah, so we should just go ahead and talk about, like, what has happened. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're about to get a refund. In the week, in the week since, in the week since we, we spoke about this game, uh, CD Projekt Red's executives have basically intimated that they knew the game was crap and that it was they knew it was going to kind of disintegrate on contact yeah or, uh, yeah with, and, with and the playstation dis- 4, you know yeah. like so, while simultaneously you know insisting that the game was quote-unquote complete and playable uh the math ain't mathin to me but um there was i mean like the playstation store did take the game off of you know their outlet and is and the store is like there's a there's a one button uh mechanism on you know playstationstore.com to request a refund for the game if you bought it digitally uh for the ps4 console um a decision that like cd project red tried to spin as like a mutual decision <laughs> just be like yeah 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 we uh yeah we we just thought the best decided, way to move forward. We decided you know. the best way to move to move forward, you know, was to um. <clears throat> anyway, yes, those are that. So that so that's what has happened recently. Uh, you know, along with a lot of viral video videos about you know, the game's glitchiness. Uh, one particular one that I sought out the third person glitch, which I did use for a while. It makes V look extremely weird. Wait, what is the glitch? I haven't seen it. The glitch this. is basically like it's a, when you are like attached to the point of view of the vehicle, when you yeah. can turn, like when you can go from first person to third person yeah. while you're driving around, there's a way to like get out of the car while oh. still in third person, but you can't really go that far from the car. And like, it's very like limited and, you know, it's not really something that, uh, I mean, like, it's not useful. It's not like it's you not can viable. actually. I mean, it's yeah. it's yeah. It's like it's not what you want because it's yeah. like I want you want third person, but not like this. Yeah, because what I will say is what one of my like initial takes playing the game that I stick to at this point now that I've beat it. It's just that I do not get why this game is in first person. It's, it feels like it should it be is, a third person shooter, and I don't know why you are forced to play first person for this game. Honestly, makes, like. It's the 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 combat is like so much more difficult for being first person because it's multi level and like you know the the characters move around like as if it was as if you can see the entire map. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like that. Yeah. It's and it's a very like frustrating thing to be like in a in a in a gunfight while also being hacked 
while also overheating. While also while being also, shot through while walls. While also being shot through walls. It is the most annoying. I like it is, it is, it is so it is so frustrating. It's just such a frustrating game. Um, <laughs> I will say you over here get refunds. I so as we established in the previous conversation about this game last week. I'm playing it, or I've been playing it on PC. On my PC, all I went in the menu and fiddled with a few of the ray tracing. So we don't have to get into what ray tracing is. It's some. I mean, like we could, like, shit, like, yeah, like, it's like it's we could spend you, and you get a nice and, and a GPU? separate hour yeah. about like the about the esoteric menus in this game. <laughs> Listen, you out here with your GPU mining Bitcoin and doing ray tracing on Cyberpunk. <laughs> um. I fiddled with a few of those options in the menu, and all of a sudden, the game looks beautiful on my computer. Like, it's mm. still glitchy in the sen- the functional glitches, right? The fact that shit doesn't work or, in, like, things that pop up should... You know, the reticle can just disappear from time yeah. to time. Like, Occasionally, your cell broken. phone just displays the middle finger on screen. <laughs> it was like, yeah, there's, there's, there's the, fun, the fun shit, you know, the fun shit. Right, but the actual sort of roughness of the graphics disappeared and and also the frame rate fixed itself i don't know like i actually got the game to look super nice on my pc that does not however address the stuff that i think you and i are more concerned i, I think the memes of how janky the game looks are funny i do think that now that we spent time with it i feel more confident talking about the overall execution of the game um I mean, you should, yeah, talk about that as somebody who has been to the end and, like, you know, touched the void, so to speak. Uh, Yeah, I, okay. I kind of got angry as the game went along because I actually think the game, once it actually settles into its core cast of characters, which it actually does not do for a very long time, until several hours into the game, does it really establish, look, this is the cast of characters that you're going to be working with through to the end of the game. Once it starts doing that, once you start doing side missions with those characters, uh, once you start exploring Night City with those characters, the game suddenly feels like it knows what it's doing in, in a way that I just, I could not believe. Because I think the first six hours of this game, I think, I, I, look, I'm more positive on it than you. Let's mm-hmm. just start with my top level assessment, which is I could give a qualified recommendation of this game, mm-hmm. both qualified in terms of I hope you have a PC instead of a PlayStation 4, um, <laughs> but also qualified in the sense of you, it, you know how sometimes anime series take a long time to get started and people will have to, people will swear up and down, oh man, you just got to watch the first 15 episodes of such and such and then it gets going. Cyberpunk, you kind of feel like that because the first six hours of this game are awful. And it's not about the graphics. It's not about the bugginess. It's the direction. The first six hours of this game is is like a prelude to a prelude. And then you get to the actual chapter one, which I consider is the moment Keanu Reeves as Johnny Silverhand shows up, right? Chapter one is great, but you're just, you're just sitting there wondering, like, why didn't some editor along the way cut the six hours of padding that is in this game before you actually start the game. Well, I mean, like one of the reasons why somebody didn't come in and say like, you know, edit out four to six hours of, you know, dross on this game <laughs> is that there was like, an, uh, like a, there was an, an ex, like, there were reports of extreme crunch, like to meet deadline, because I mean, this game was originally come, supposed to come out and, the summer, then in the fall, then then finally in December, barely met that date, and then it came out that's still like a ways from being finished. Uh, but I mean, like you know, I guess we're gonna get into more of that later. But before we do that, I guess we should start opening up some of these questions. The first of which is probably one that you should answer. Yeah, about cyberpunk. About cyberpunk. Yeah. So this one's from Joe. Hey guys, have either of you played the Sinnerman? There is a light that never goes outside quest in Cyberpunk 2077. Do you think it works? If you haven't, definitely check it out when it pops up and see it through to the end. 
Uh, it's been one of the most intellectually interesting and memorable seared into my brain side quest chains that I've done. But I'm not that sure if it's because of the actual questions and thoughts it raises or just good old-fashioned shock value. I'm surprised that the crucifixion scene hasn't spawned at least one outraged Fox News-type segment. Do you think we've moved past the violence and video game controversies of the past? Or is it just a matter of time? Thanks for doing the pod, Joe. So that is a multiple parter, but I think that you should answer the first part. Yes, especially because I, I have played the Sinner Man, There's a Light That Never Goes Out. It's a series of side missions in Cyberpunk. And it's it's arresting, right? It's the series where you start on a what feels like a really conventional mis- mission where a guy contracts you to drive him to ambush um, basically a police van that's carrying this prisoner and the prisoner killed a member of this guy's family, the guy who's contracting you. So he basically wants a revenge killing on this guy in a police caravan. And you run up on the police caravan and you can kill the prisoner or you can sort of wait until the police kill the guy who's contracted you. And then they'll sort of call you over to the prisoner. And the prisoner is like, yo, I want to talk to you about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> so you this like cyberpunk dystopia. And this guy just wants to talk about Jesus and religion and you just he's like hey come come with us we have to we're we're on the way to do something the police are like no we, who is this guy why are we doing this like this guy is dangerous you get in the van you end up at the house of the family of the guy that you know the guy basically the victims of um the guy that you're riding with now the prisoner in the van and he's meeting with the sister of the guy he killed and the sister's forgiving him and then the mom shows up and he's just talking to everybody about jesus <laughs> you know he's like i'm a new man he's tatted up too he's got the face tats he's he's you know and it's just that you're thinking what is this like this is not you <laughs> yeah, went from being like this is a just grand theft auto the ride yeah, and and the thing is, like, you know how these games are, right? You're talking about these open world role playing games, where normally, you know, you're used to the idea of having these morality tales and sort of here are your conversational options. Which will you choose? And there's an element of that, but it just feels so disarmingly earnest out of nowhere. This this very uh, explicit conversation about Christianity and religion and uh, repentance and forgiveness. And then it segues into this sequence that's about the guy, you know, the evangelical Christian murderer man mm-hmm. wanting to be crucified on live, basically live television. There's a whole idea of something called brain dances, which are sort of recordings, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, the guy is staging his own crucifixion and there's this crowd of people who are going to watch his crucifixion, but in a sort of reality TV way. And it's it's very bizarre. It is it is one of the most bizarre th- like leaps that this game makes and I think is very effective, but is kind of, like I was saying earlier, it's one of those things that it's effective in a way that's almost infuriating because I, I played that side quest and I didn't necessarily think it was the most intellectually interesting like it it just seemed like good character development more than it felt intellectually provocative Mm -hmm. but i did come away from it thinking this was fucking weird and i wish more (laughs) of the game was like this yeah because i do remember you like well more like offline describing it as like all the things that grand theft auto the annoying things about grand theft auto but like just those things like you know just the side quest of the like sort of this diffuse nebulous collection of yeah oddly affecting side quests and or oddly involved side quests stuff that like forces you to explore the world or like appreciate the work it took to build it Um, yeah and it's kind of why we talked about death stranding instead frankly last week is because the best and the best side quests in cyberpunk to me feel like death stranding side quests you know what I mean? They feel way more interested in not being profound so much as just being poignant in a kind of quirky way. It's just that cyberpunk has way fewer of those kinds of side quests than Death Stranding does. And it has way more sort of generic open world RPG, track down the guy, shoot the guy, drive the car, 
pick up the rescue thing. the uh you know <laughs> oh yeah pick up the dead body from the ice cooler yeah etc it's uh. yeah uh it's high i really that was i think that like you know it caught the combination of the fact that it was just making the base ps4 sound like a Boeing 7047 and the fact that it refused to cohere after six hours of like five to six hours of gameplay and i mean all the annoying things i was talking about before like inspired me to like put the game down like i but i did start playing grand theft auto 5 again and started over from the beginning yeah and at the exact moment that i switched cyberpunk off and turned back on uh grand theft auto 5 i was riding around as michael and as part of setting up a heist, I needed to go and just meet the like the strangers or like the strange characters around town. One of them was this guy that was campaigning to legalize pot in in California, um, in the middle of like the town square. I I have no idea why it was that I needed to meet this person, but I went there, and then you smoke a joint with them, and then it kicks into this insane dream sequence where aliens are <laughs> popping up everywhere and you have like a rotary machine gun and you have to, you have to mow them down before they quote unquote invade your mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean like, it's just, there are plenty of weird things like that in Grand Theft Auto. And the thing is that like what I, what I constantly think about in cyberpunk is the, stuff that happens on television in Grand Theft Auto is like what cyberpunk is like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Man, it's such a shame because stuff like Cinnamon or even stuff, frankly, like the second half of the game, although I think the ending is bad or the endings are bad, but the second half of the game, like the way I, the way I would put it is you can tell just from the marketing and definitely in the first half of the game that Cyberpunk 2077 wants to be Final Fantasy 7 so bad. You know, it wants to be that kind of... It wants to be Midgar. Night City kind of wants to be... Mm -hmm. It wants to be a lot of things. It wants to be Northern California, but also Miami. But it also wants to be Midgar. <laughs> and to me, this game actually gets really good when it stops trying to rip off Final Fantasy 7 and starts trying to rip off Final Fantasy 8 in the second half down to... I, have you played Final Fantasy VIII before? No, I haven't. They're, like The best stretch of that game to me is earlier on when you have to keep in mind the cast of that game is so much more random than Seven because it's like a cowboy and a princess and a hot teacher and they're all terrorists. And <laughs> they're going to assassinate a sorceress in a parade. And to me, the parade sequence, the, the parade sequence in, in Final Fantasy VIII is the high watermark of that game. And a lot of the second half of Cyberpunk feels a lot like the high watermark of Final Fantasy VIII in uh -huh. a way where I was like, oh, this game is okay. This game finally has confidence because it's finally said, you know what? V, Takamura, Pan Am, Evelyn, Judy, like these are the characters. Like all the stuff that you do in the beginning of Cyberpunk with Jackie and with, I forget the guy who, con who contracts you and betrays you, but like, Dex Deshaun. Yeah, Dex Deshaun. It's just like that stuff, it, especially once you get out on the other end of the game. Especially it's just like, what was all the shit in the beginning about? How long the, yes! the first yeah. the first car ride with Dex Deshaun is. Yeah. Like it's just there there's so many things. There's so many ex like uh there's so many like scattershot blasts of like intense information that don't matter. Yeah. They don't matter when they're happening, and they definitely don't matter by the time you finish the game. You're like Wait, why? Did, what was with the whole first six hours of this game? It had nothing to do with anything. <sighs> I do want to address the second half of the question, though. Joe said um, he's um, he was just surprised that the the Cinnerman sort of again the Cinnerman side quest culminates in this weird social media crucifixion reenactment where you literally one of the things you have to do is you V the character you have to hammer nails into the guy's hands and into his feet. And then he just dies on... It, it's very weird. Um, but he was just saying he's surprised that it hasn't spawned some sort of, you know, old school video game 
or anti-video game outrage. And I don't know. I can't even conceive of stuff like that anymore. No one gets outraged in exactly that way about video games. What was the last great moral panic about video games other than the one time that Trump pretended to be really concerned after one of the school shootings to be really like, we have to figure out the violence in the video games because that's clearly what, you know, that felt fake. That's the thing. I feel like we're in an era where I think everyone sort of knows that that kind of moral panic about video games is kind of passe. Am I wrong? I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, I think it's probably more so, more so than like a sustained campaign against, I don't know, MA rated video games or whatever that it might've been a decade plus ago. It would be like, something that pops up on Mediaite and then like circulates on a few blogs for like four hours and then it's gone after a while. Like I can't imagine it being like a big to do. Yeah. Yeah, man. We live in a cyberpunk type world. Like, you know what I mean? We're, we're in the dystopia already. People have lost religion. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's dark um, out there. Cause it's dark out there. <laughs> let's go to the next, next uh, email from Obi. Uh, you know, we've talked to Omi a bit. I'm going to play some some chess on the chess app with Omi at some point. But uh, Omi, Omi says, questions. What are your favorite video games played in 2020? Uh, have we played any good indies lately? Aside from Hades, I hope. And then two, what cross... Okay, what anime crossover series? For example, Attack on Titan <laughs> X Evangelion. Would you guys want to watch? Oh, um, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, start with the video game one since we're like on the topic. I, okay. What, what did I play this year? I don't even remember. I, play, I just played Siege all year, dog. I played Siege and Street Fighter. I played, I played, Ghost, I played Ghost of Tsushima for so, uh, so long. I played so much of that game. Uh, I did revisit God of War earlier this year for a little while. Uh, yeah. I played Uncharted 4. That was fun. When I needed something there to base that, you know, I could start playing from beginning to end and I wouldn't need to be particularly good at it. What else? Whoop some of my friends' asses in FIFA. You ain't whoop nobody ass. Let's let's not I mean, play. like, listen, you don't play but FIFA and I, like I mean, yeah. listen. And that's good for you that I don't. But I mean, you know. like you keep campaigning for this asshole for you can get elected. That's all that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. I only play like again. I, I've only played like you know what it is. After I went through the whole cycle for um, Death Stranding and Final Fantasy VII remake, which I both love, I was just like, I can't do it. You know, and then I got frustrated playing Control, and I was like, Fuck this! I'm only playing online competitive stuff that I can tap in, tap out of. Well, no, I mean, social. like, you did, okay, wait, that's not entirely true because you did tell me about Cuphead. Cuphead, yo, was, Cuphead, Cuphead, oh, Cuphead was, yeah. Although I dropped Cuphead after, but I played a lot of Cuphead. I, I played the first couple areas in Cuphead, and then I got kind of annoyed with some of the fight design. Mm. Like some of the, you know some what of else the boss was good? designs. You know what else was good? Uh, another name that was good was Fall Guys. I mean, like, it's just like I didn't a, get into Fall a mindless. Guys, yeah. yeah, I mean, mm. like, it's just mindless, like, arcade type stuff that sometimes, like, you want over narrative or like being challenged in some co sort of convoluted, complicated way or whatever. Oh, Star Wars Squadrons. We both played that. But, yes. you know, also another one of those things that was difficult, man. I it think was. it was difficult. I was like sticking with video games was very difficult this year. I agree with that. Although Persona 5 Royale, I guess, yeah, that was in the past year. And, I, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about my relationship with Persona, uh, Persona 5. But it it's... <laughs> Whatever game I do dabble into, I just feel once I'm done with it that really the game I'm playing is Siege or really I'm playing Street Fighter because it's just, yeah, I don't know why those are true. the centers of gravity. Actually, that's true. I'm it's not like, good it's at this. Whatever it is that you finish like, like digesting for like, for, for consuming for content or whatever, yeah. you know, because you want to participate in the conversation, like you go back to a certain game and like for you that was Siege and for me that was Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, and then the anime crossover series. Man, what anime crossover am I? I don't, I don't want. Certainly one. nothing involving Attack I on don't Titan wanna, for like, me. I, I don't like. I just, I, I, I don't want the the world of one anime to be large enough to contain another. That would be too much. 
Yeah. Can I also say it's funny? Obi brings up, you know, Attack on Titan and Evangelion crossover, for instance. And it's, you know, it, man, listeners, if you were annoyed by me just sort of being whiny about Avatar, oh my the last God, Airbender, you don't want to hear him talk about his Attack on Titan. On it Titan, is brother. so annoying. Ugh, don't okay. get me we're started right. on Attack on Titan. And you know what? Brown ass Just because television we did that, show. I know that we're gonna have to we're no. we're gonna have to do that later. Now yeah, that we later. have now said it in a different time, not the mm. holiday season when I'm trying to get my blood pressure down. Because you a hater. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you that. that what would I? But even just ironically, like what what mashup? Even just ironically, would I <laughs> yeah. Well, what what would I mash up? I don't even know. Out? Well, no, nope, no, I don't want that. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I got nothing. I really got was... nothing. I like it's 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 just not what I I don't I don't like I I honestly. I never had the thing that made me, you know, compare the respective powers of like certain strongman characters yeah, and different yeah. shows to each yeah. other, being like Goku, Kawupa, whoever. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, I, it's just like, that's not what I go to the stories for. Never was. Um, however, like, fist fights over holographic trading cards is a different story. The but yeah, like the 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 thing where it's just kind of like I want to have I I never I, it doesn't make sense to me because it's just I each world is so contained and like consistent and I would, like would like to have it to keep it that way. I agree with that. So we refuse to answer the question. I'm so sorry. I refuse to. I refuse to uh, recognize the legitimacy of the court in which I'm being tried. Next question. Yes. Okay. Hey guys, love the pod. Love that you guys made a cyberpunk pod, but talk mainly about that stranding. <laughs> ha ha. Question for Justin as a Persona 5 addict. Who is the best romance option and why is it Anne? <laughs> Question for Micah, whose definition of a Christmas movie is pretty liberal? Is Gundam Wing Endless Waltz a Christmas movie? Yo, first of Yo. all, I've done the Anne romance Yo. option in Persona 5, and I don't like it. It's weird. I, I get it's like cute because she just constantly talks about anime and shit, but Makoto is the best romance option in Persona 5. Easily. Mm. Makoto, mm -hmm. class president. Wait a Come minute. Come on. Gundam, Overachiever. Gundam. High strung. Gundam Wing Endless Waltz is what's that? That's the is that the OV that's the OVA with the which one is that? I can't Gee. remember which one Endless Waltz is. But you know what? If it you know what? You know what? If it happens around Christmas time, if you saw so much as a poinsettia in frame, it is a Christmas movie. Okay. Yeah, what is this? What what is this familiarity with? What is? Where have you declared this strong take about Christmas movies? I was just. I, it's. Explain it's me. just. I was watching the Born Identity the other day. Oh my God! You're you're one of those people. Okay. I, mean, I, love I was watching Identity. the Born Identity the other day because, like, you know, I uh, in a moment of great surrender to the algorithm. Decided that I was going to purchase Peacock because I needed to watch Premier League Soccer um, without, you know, infecting my computer with some stuff. Yeah, so, getting them cyberpunk viruses. Like, duh, duh. so I mean, anyway, like one of the one of the things, one of the persons is getting like whatever movies that they have on there this this month or this past month they've had like the Born trilogy. I started watching the Born Identity, and it happens like you know. The crux of it happens during Christmas time. And it's about, you know what? I'm not going to stretch as far as being what it's about, but it's during Christmas time. And the vibe is like, you know, TNT marathon on TV during the holidays. Therefore, it counts as like a Christmas movie. Harry Potter Order of the Phoenix also happens uh, at Christmas time. There yeah. is a Christmas scene in which there are gifts being given, sweaters being adorned on uh, respective Weasleys. It's a Christmas movie. And then, uh, oh, Doubt. Uh, Doubt uh, with <laughs> Meryl Streep and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Also, you are a so Christmas annoying. movie. I like it's, listen, I'm telling you, man. Every, you need to, I, you need 
to expand your definition of what a Christmas movie is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm it's I'm theoretically with you. I still think you're annoying, uh, but uh, correct, annoying but correct, Socrates. I mean, next question. Movie, you know, just <laughs> we you can see you can chill inside the box. We're out here playing a game of what if, you know. Okay. Next email. Hey guys. I'm, of course, a big fan of the podcast and still can't believe there was a podcast about Evangelion on The Ringer. I can't believe it either. Uh, I'll forever be grateful for it being the case. I forget which episode Charity was discussing Vaporwave, but that Macross 8299 music is dope. I'd never really heard of it before, but it's a vibe, so I would love to hear you discuss in more detail wherever the fuck it came from and why these certain hyper-referential genres seem to inevitably come into being whenever their various mediums are surrounded by corporatized art for long enough. Okay. So Macross 8299 is how I got into future funk vaporwave. You know, I think I used vaporwave for that whole episode. Really talking about future funk. I, it's one of those things, right? Where there's not a ton of formal discourse about future funk and vaporwave and all that stuff. You just sort of have to, I don't know if you know, you know, and you it's kind of up to you to just sort of police whatever distinctions you want to police within it. The sensation of it is kind of like, you know, going into like a slipstream of some kind. You just kind of like bump around picking up new shit. Like once you like press next on like suggested videos for whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, it's difficult to find like writing about it. Well, it's not just that, but it's sort of um, even playlist. Like to me, right? Like what you were just saying—that exploratory sense. I, I, I think a future funk is trying to itself approximate a sort of digging through the crates, right? Um, and so it's kind of hard to curate because I think it's best experienced as DJ sets rather than playlists. Um, and I, from the best I can tell. You know, a lot of it derives from younger people through weeb culture or whatever, sort of digging through the crates of these vintage Japanese pop and jazz and R&B records like Plastic Love and Tasagare in a way that is basically reminiscent of, you know, OG hip hop's relationship to disco and R&B. Um, and so that's the thing. I mean, even a lot of the future funk songs, right, they do feel like they're just samples with some you know, maybe some new drums added to them. But it's a, it's a very light touch genre or subgenre of music that really just seems to be about digging through the crates of Japanese music, R&B, disco, 70s, 80s, and adding like little millennial flourishes to it and then doing all of the sort of papering it with all the weeb aesthetics on YouTube and SoundCloud when you upload the album art and the video clips. Right. But it's nothing. It, it's not. That's the thing. It's in a certain way. It's not. It's it's very artful. It's very tasteful. I like a lot of it, but it's also not that deep. You kind of just got to get into it. There is no sort of I don't know that anyone's ever going to really write you a super official primer, or a super definitive primer on here's how you get into future funk or vaporwave. You kind of just got to ride the current, man. Gotta be like V, man. You just got to get your cyberware intact, man. Get you some upgrades. Just dive into that brain dance, you know? For the record, Night I also City. find you annoying, you know? Just, just, <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> but yeah, future fuck, get into it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. 
Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's huzzah, a toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. While we're on Vaporwave, can we just talk about Cyberpunk some more? I, I really cannot get over... Like We've talked about the game and actually getting into the plot and story and what I think works about characterizations and stuff. On the commercial level, though, I, I do want to stress that it is nuts that Sony has pulled the game from the PlayStation Store, that you sort of go back and look at the consumer relations and investor relations about the game, and you basically have the company being like, look, we just need to get the game out. We kind of lied about everything in terms of it being ready for prime time. We were hacked, YOLO, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> like it, it feels like there are it, niggas get shot every day, et cetera. Because you, know, you know, I've seen some people. I've seen people be like, compare this to Daikatana or like flop, like genuine flop games. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, what's astounding to me is that that's not really the case. Like the sales of Cyberpunk are good. You know, it's more so like what it's it's not because it's not the same thing as like having something arrive and having it be a total unmitigated disaster it's more so like having something arrive and there is like infinity in between you and it like you could never like fully touch it <laughs> it's just like there's no like i it's it's like it's it's frustrating in a way because there's like a there's a good game in there. Yeah. There is. There definitely is. It's funny the way you just put that is also people's experience with the next gen consoles like the PS5, right? Whereas how deep are we into the PS5 rollout and I still can't buy a PlayStation 5, right? It feels like Cyberpunk is a similar experience where technically this thing is available to people, but then you try to boot it on your PlayStation 4 and it bricks your console and you're just like, "What what is this?" <laughs> You know, like you definitely, I remember I wrote about this years ago, right? When it was notable to me, I think, you know what it was? It was Final Fantasy 15. And Final Fantasy 15 was another example of like, it wasn't just um, the idea of software patching a game because, oh, there's a bug in a a thing. Oh, this certain thing happens. You clip through the map. If you do this, we need to patch this out. We'll We'll upgrade the game. We'll upload the patch, whatever. With Final Fantasy 15, there was this whole fiasco about the fact that there's a chapter of that game that is just sort of bad <laughs> and takes like four hours to complete and nobody know- and it feels out of place and it feels like the game becomes a Metal Gear Solid, like a bad, boring Metal Gear Solid mission for like a chapter of a Final Fantasy game. And I remember it being a big deal to me at the time that Screen Enix, after a year or so, they were like, look, we're going to patch that out. We're just going to get rid of it. We're going to fix this in post, in post post. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I knew at that moment that, oh, this, this is going to affect how we, games are sold to us in some way. And I'm not even sure why, like how or why. I'm not saying that every game that gets released, whenever gamers complain about something, the developer is going to be like, we'll get rid of that mission if you don't like it. But I feel like cyberpunk is a resurfacing of that anxiety where it's just... I don't know, man. It's just you've released this unborn thing. Yeah, well, it's like the the points in that used to be definite in between like the conception of a game to playing it were assured. Like, and you know, you could move backwards and forwards across those boundaries. Yeah. Like it's like this is the same thing as like Kanye releasing the life of Pablo and just being and just continuing to to, to change songs on it after the album was already out. Not so much that people never did anything like that before, like Scrubs, you know, studio residue off of songs in post after the song was already on. 
whatever digital outlet. But I mean like a wholesale changing of a way that a song sounds after it's already out and available to the public. Like the same, it's like, it's not so much that it's something that no one's ever done before, but so much as like changing the way that like people interact with a thing. Totally. Although cyberpunk is additionally interesting to me because games are as much as I get the life of Pablo comparison and totally like I, I feel you games to me are ethically different, right? Like it's one thing. Okay. If you go to a movie theater, you go see, well, you didn't go to a theater for this, but you, you go see tenant and mm. you're like, I don't like tenant. I don't like how they did this thing in tenant. Like that's one level of being unhappy with tenant, right? Is to say the movie started at, at hour X and ended at hour Y and I have notes, right? But the mm-hmm. difference is that mostly when we're talking about a movie, we're talking about a song, like a bad single from Drake or something. You know, we are generally talking about how we feel about the thing. And it is taken for granted that the thing worked. Like no one's, no one's critic, no one's review of a Drake single is, yo, Spotify couldn't get the song to play. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's the thing that games have like sort of working against them is that a lot of criticism does have to deal with is not just the about, functionality like, yeah it's yeah. like it's, it's interactivity really does create a whole nother layer of ethics for overselling a game in the way that you could say cd project red did because it's not just oh they oversold it because i was told it would be it pitched you know, like you know world, there was supposed the to be a, yeah that, it was yeah it, it was it was like, this shit don't even work yeah <laughs> it's like if you went to the theater and the, the movie just didn't work you know what I mean? It's more like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you went to press play on the album and your phone just, ex- you know, caught flame. Yeah. There's, it, it, it is kind of unprecedented. Yeah, oh, it's like an old, it's an old concern or it's like a central concern of games, but just the way that this is played out feels unprecedented. The way that it's played out, it feels unprecedented, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. Although, like I said, I just fixed some settings on my computer and, you know, game looks smooth. <laughs> you know <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, lick your lips like LL. Let's go. Next listener email. Love the pod. My question is, can you guys tell us your top five favorite anime series? And also, if you guys are into reading manga, manhwa, thanks. Keep up the awesome work. Fingers crossed for an episode by episode breakdown of Cowboy Bebop one day. Top five anime series. I mean, I can answer this. Um, but can you answer this? I honestly don't know that I can. Because it's always like something that we're, we're recent, recency by instead of fears. Yeah. But I mean, Cowboy Bebop and Yu Yu Hakusho are definitely on there. And then there's just kind of like a lot of inter- interchangeability from like three to f- three to five. I mean, like Outlaw Stars in there. Um, I'm pretty sure that Lupin the Third is also in there. Uh, hmm. What else? I honestly like Big O occasionally creeps into the top five. I really love Big O. Um, I don't know. I think that I think that that is probably as as close as I'm going to get. Like you, right such now. a damn tsunami baby. I love it. I, love I am it. a tsunami baby. You are man. I, mean, I absolutely am a tsunami baby. The thing is that like I've, <laughs> like my my weirder interest in anime came much later. Yeah. No, I feel you. Uh, what do you mean by weirder though? Like, what do you? Hmm. Oh, I mean like you know, stuff that actually attempts to uh, say things about society rather than interpersonal relationship. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel you. I, what are mine? I mean, I, I feel like I actually responded to the listener uh, in the email. What did I say? I think I probably said Utena, Revol- revolutionary girl Utena, um, which, by the way, if you're Anybody listening to that, this who is going to take these wrecks and run with them? Utena, super important because I hated this series the first time I watched it because I watched it in English. I do not like arguments about dub versus sub. I'm too old for that shit. I pay taxes and, and whatnot now. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, I, 
moved on to, you know, I put away childish things. However, Udna is like the one series where I swear, just don't watch it in English. You need to watch it. You need to watch it subbed in Japanese. Do not make the mistake I first made with Utena and watch it in Honestly, English. the thing is that like, okay, so while I'm not somebody that yells about this a lot and I don't really like have a strong opinion one way or the other, the thing is, is that and and I haven't like watched Utena, but I assume that this is the case is that like there's a certain kind of a, a, like emotionality that is too articulated for to to be like for for English voice actors somehow like it doesn't sound right or, yeah, in, or in sounds Utena, grating yeah. rather yeah like it's yeah. like grating is yes because because yeah. I mean like the because there's a similar thing that was that happens like in like in serial experiments lane like it's difficult to follow along like unless you accept the vibe of it being like you know like some nineties CW. Uh, drama <laughs> in English, yeah, yeah. like you know, yeah. it doesn't exactly work unless you like watch it subbed. It's but anyway, you know, that whatever. is definitely the issue with Utena. And I just, I really do want to be clear that I'm saying that from the perspective from, of someone who, otherwise, like I, I am not one to harass people about dub versus sub debates. But with Utena, it's just that the English voice acting in Udna is so bad that it will, it will tank the show for you. You have to watch it in Japanese. Just sub it. Just do it. Uh, Ava, obviously the Tommy galaxy monster. Um, Guillermo del Toro was supposed to adapt monster into live action for HBO. Never got around to it. I got my eye on you, uh, but monster. And then, you know what? Here's the thing. With top fives, I'm always I always want to make sure I have in my spot a sort of troll pick. And it's usually Haruhi Suzumiya, which I genuinely love, but it's just you want to make sure that you're capturing the full spirit of anime with not just stuff where it's like, this is the all-time great. This made me cry. No, anime has a lot of great sort of troll comedy, not comedy, overly earnest. What the fuck is this weird stuff? And you you kind of want to always make sure you reserve a spot for that. So it's like Haruhi Suzumiya or Earth Maiden Arjuna. Like those are things where I watched and they or Excel Saga. Like those are shows where I'm just like, this probably shouldn't have been made. Um, but I appreciate so much that it exists and only anime can do the things that it does. Uh, so yeah, those are my fifth picks. Yeah, I don't know. Like if I, I mean, if I was gonna like throw like honorable mentions in there or stuff that I watched this year, I really enjoyed, or rewatching Iron Blooded Orphans, which I did several times. Uh, that is just fucking incredible. Two seasons, it's on Netflix. Just run that real quickly. It'll hurt your heart, but it'll also like you know, you know, keep you <laughs> engaged. I'll, tell, I'll give you that much. There's also um, Noragami, which, uh, like, you know, was also from the w w from Bones Production House, just because, like, the fight sequences in it, although, like, the, the morality of the show is, like, extremely puritanical, like, <laughs> um, the action sequences are just gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, those are... Uh, two other things also Jormungan that's really weird Jormungan oh I haven't gotten around to Jormungan yeah I have some of the manga which to answer the other part of the question I have I have a lot of manga I once brought 44 pounds of manga back from Japan um wow is that a yeah. is is that an action Bronson lyric is that a Ross Man. lyric <laughs> listen oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah I go through phases of you know flipping through it I think it, like recently I did watch Jujutsu Kaisen and like was enjoying it so much that I actually bought the first two volumes of the manga. That was the first time I bought manga in a while though. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Uh, our next question comes from Dave who enjoyed our Cowboy Bebop episode and hopes that we do a deeper dive in the show when the Netflix adaptation airs. We might do that. He also gave us a recommendation uh, Run With The Wind which is a uh, anime portraying a college distance running team. And his question was, since he noticed that I was reading or watching Slam Dunk, 
Do I have any thoughts on sports anime in general? And do we collectively have any favorites? Uh, thank you, Dave. And yes, as a matter of fact, I do. I don't know what Charity does is like, you know, sports. But Haikyuu, uh, which I have watched all of uh, so far. I Like, it was just basically like it's Haikyuu is about a high school volleyball team. And honestly, there are a lot of parallels with uh, Slam Dunk. I mean, the, the the main character is a, you know, incorrigible redhead that does one thing really well, has a lot of athletic prowess, but not really like a whole lot of focus to guide it into being a useful team asset. And the show is about that. And, you know, put, pits him against you know, a child prodigy with dark hair in a similar, in a similar way that like slam dunk does. And honestly, I, it's, it's dumb, but like, I found it very moving, uh, especially as somebody that played a lot of organized sports. Uh, and I mean, there, it's all there. Uh, the, the, the grueling, you know, leaving practice, later than everybody else, like, you know, coming up short for, like, you know, the first team when you are an underclassman and then, you know, experiencing, like, your first loss after grinding or after grinding so hard all summer, et cetera. Like, it's just, like, a really corny, wonderful anime. Um, so, yeah, that was, that's, that's, my, that's my sports anime recommendation. Yeah, I feel like the fact that my only sports anime recs are ping pong and Yuri on Ice. Say a lot about both my fluency in sports anime as well as my fluency in sports in real life. So, you know, Mike has definitely got the better recs there. But yeah. uh, ping pong, I mean, ping pong is Yuasa. It's pretty good. You should check it out. <laughs> awesome. I love Yuasa. Don't even start on Yuasa. Um, love Yuasa. Uh, let's do one more question. This one's from Reed. Hey guys, I caught up with your Grammys up and thought your observations about the cyclical amnesia fans have about the awards were spot on. I'm curious if y'all think a similar things happens with critics and music publications. I remember seeing a fan post all the rap albums Pitchfork got wrong. The general vibe was Pitchfork is a white hipster publication that doesn't actually <laughs> understand the genre. That might be true, but the funny thing is that some of the albums this post highlighted were actually positively reviewed. They just didn't get the, you know, Pitchfork Best New Music seal of approval. Maybe this disconnect has been a long-standing issue with audiences and critics, but I'm curious if you think fans have similar attitude toward music criticism as they do with awards. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> awards, critics, fans. I mean, they, no, but seriously, this question like, it's, this it's, does get at a thing we talk about a lot. Yes, it is. That, right? It is. It is the kind of thing that we talk about a lot. I think that really it is a similar problem in that like they're not all obviously but can there's a, there's a certain kind of like fan that just doesn't seem to be clear on what they want music criticism to do and uh react negatively to it not doing exactly what it is that they want whatever that is and and, and i honestly don't know so <laughs> yeah, because in that Grammy's up, right? We talked about how there's a fundamental breakdown in what the the people who are behind the Grammys, right? Who who structure how the voting even works for the Grammys, who pull the ceremony together, who pull the categories together. There's a fundamental breakdown in what those people will tell you that the Grammys are designed to do and the the kind of validation that the Grammys are designed to provide and why versus what people who watch the Grammys think the point of the Grammys is, right? It's, you basically have these two factions and they just aren't on the same page. And the people who actually have the power, who actually are the institutional force of the Grammys will tell you, oh no, you guys are misunderstanding what the point of this show is, what the point of this ceremony is. And it's just everybody puts their fingers in their ears and goes, la, 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 la. I've decided that the Grammys actually means X instead of Y. And that is basically the same thing that happens with criticism, right? It's sort of, there's a difference between when I feel like maybe I review something, write about something, and readers disagree with it, right? You, everybody, like, that's a thing we all deal with, and that's mm -hmm. a part of the job, right? It's a thing, if anything, I like about the job. 
but you can there's such a big difference when you can tell that you're on the same page topically with somebody that you're otherwise disagreeing with versus when you are sort of confronting a reader who is not really on the same page about what your job even is, right? Like they're (laughs) not even clear on what my job is. (laughs) And so all of their expectations are, are just misaligned. Everything, you know, everything that follows from that misapprehension, it just feels like you're arguing with somebody who's on a weird crusade, you know? That's how a lot of, I don't know, fan dynamics feel. And I'm sure that's how the Grammys people feel too. Critics feel that way too. Like, I don't know. Am I just like, like, am I wrong? Like, I, no, I mean, like, it's, it absolutely is. I think that we have at this point pretty, like, definitively outlined what the, like, the, the divide that there is between like the audience and critics. But it's not like the whole audience. Like, it's not yeah, the totally. whole audience. It's just like, you know, a, specific, a vocal minority of people that, again, just don't actually understand what it is that they want because they don't understand what they're looking at. Yeah. And part of that, I mean, it's one of those things too, right? Where if you try to be a good citizen, try to be charitable, you say, okay, well, what could critics do better so that the audience for their writing is sort of on the same page? Like, what are we not doing that's created this sense of, of readers just not getting what they want from us. And I, I think there's something to that. I think it's easy after you work in media for long enough to sort of take certain things for granted about, you know, like, you know, this is how criticism works, but why would the average reader know that? Especially if you're reviewing music that is aimed at younger people who are just sort of growing into being the mm-hmm. audience for writing about music. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, some of the misapprehension seems so it can get really petulant and it can get really defensive and it can get really stanish and it can get really uncritical. And I think that's where I don't know, that's where that kind of bandwagoning loses me is when it feels less about people being like wanting to think critically about music, but thinking that I'm doing it wrong versus people who you can tell that, oh, they resent the idea of thinking critically about music. That does feel like we're confronting every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. That is what it is. And replace music with video game or, you know, movie, Drake album, Tenet, whatever. Right, and it, I mean, like, honestly, it centers you in, in in the discussion that you thought you were trying to have in a way that feels uncomfortable and counterproductive. Like, right, so yeah, that's It's right, like yeah. you rather would not even engage with it. Yeah, totally, totally. That said, it's just hard. I think in general, in my sort of cosmic brain thought is that criticism, the Grammys, Congress, like all these things, what you're really talking about is institutions, right? And, you know, you're living in like, you you are living currently in the low point of faith in any institution. And pick <laughs> you can your, swap pick out your any institution. institution. Yeah, pick literally yeah, the media, any institution. Anything, yeah. It's just that we're, we're living in a low point of faith in literally any kind of institution you can think of. And so, yeah, that, that kind of, that kind of distrust and the kind of noisiness of the internet means that you, you know, we're all just sort of talking past each other in a certain way. Like, it's not like criticism has, you know, was uncomplicated until the Al Gore invented the internet, but you know, it's, there's always been a sort of tension between the reader and the critic, much less between the creator and the critic. But yeah, it's there's just a lot of noise and a lot of distrust. And I think Mike is right. Like as much as an individual critic can say, well, how can I write in a way that sort of tries to meet more people where they're at? And I definitely think that's an admirable desire. You do sort of worry about, you don't want to be that self-centered. You don't want to, you know what I mean? Like you kind of do want to say, listen, my my real duty, you know, can't my former co-host can put it to me this way. My only real duty is to the art. Like, if you're a music critic, if you're a film critic, your duty is to the medium. It's not, you know what I mean? If a, if a fan misunderstands you, if an individual creator misunderstands you. That's their issue. Eh, that's their yeah. issue because the thing you got into this for is because you care about whatever form you care about. You care about that craft. And the fact that people give you shit or the fact that they're critical misunderstandings and low faith in media, et cetera, et cetera. You know, those are occupational hazards, frankly. 
Uh, well, so yeah, fuck the Grammys. I mean, whatever. I'm tired. Of, you know, Grammys aren't criticism. Let's be clear here. You know, it's not this. <laughs> you know, um, I think we're gonna go out just resolving my thoughts, not on cyberpunk, but specifically, right? It's sort of my conspiracy theory for the refunds on this game, right? I was talking to Ringer Tech writer Alyssa Bresnik about this, and I said, listen, Sony's going to give all these refunds, right? And this is notable because, you know, the game isn't really running well on PS4. You got this big game, massive global release, huge eight-year development cycle, hype campaign, whatever, whatever. And they're going to do refunds? Except, think about it. Cyberpunk, end of a console generation with PS4. You know, Sony maybe says, hey, we get Cyberpunk. People play it on PS4. The game is broken. Trash. They got to refund it. In the end, <laughs> you're just driving more people to the PS5, baby. And then see what happened was. You see what ha- You know what it is? And then realize, realize, you get realize. You? you see how they get you? You see how they, you see how yeah, they, you were fun. So you were fun to like, $60 game, but then you sell them a $500 console so they can finally, they can go back and buy the game again. And then we made money. That's capitalism, y'all. I, why am I ending this like a sermon? But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, I, and this I really brings us back to like, yeah, a, a recurring <laughs> concern of the pod, which is, uh, Neither of us has gotten a PS5 it's yet. Like, it's like, it's honestly, I am too pretty for this. I can't believe that there's like a, there, there, it's like, there's, it's, it's unreasonable. It's unreasonable. But like, no, that, I, that, that, that buying, that buying this console has been so difficult. Can we also talk about the fact that at first, think about this, right? When it was sort of pre-launch, when it was pre-order phase, I think you and I compared it to, you know, this always happens with next-gen consoles. There's this sort of, you know, when it comes out, there's the rush, you know, it comes out around a holiday time, you know, it, you really have to have a dedicated parent if they're going to get it for you in time for Christmas. But at this point, how, it, it feels doesn't, like the console been out for a whole quarter and I still can't get one. What yeah, is this? It's not, like, this is this not has never that. happened. This is, no, this this is, is not bullshit. That. This yeah. is, this is, this is, this is some other other shit. This is not, this is not the same sort of frenzy dash to Walmart, like, you know, the wee hours of, because I mean, like, that was just like that was just congestion. That was just a lot of people going at once, you know. And the 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 they had been sitting there maybe for a while, or like I don't even you know what it is. So like those memories are just memories of memories now. I it's very foggy to me. All I understand is the present struggle, which is that it is like the like as soon as a link appears online it evaporates in the next still, five minutes which is it's how it still, was when it first released or even when it again, first came out a whole month ago it joe biden has won the, a presidential election six different times and i still can't buy a playstation 5 it i'm hating no right now sense. you post pictures about about your 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 order confirmations and i'm hating you know <sighs> still I don't even want it at this point. It should I don't even care. Like I said, I'm playing Cyberpunk on PC. I'm fine. And yet, at this point, it's I j- I want the want at this point. I don't give a fuck about the PlayStation 5. What I care about is the rights enshrined in the US Constitution that suggest, if not outright say, that at this point, with the amount of time that has passed, I should be able to purchase a PlayStation 5 without incident. It's, what is no, the no, 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 no. Not only without incident, without not only without incident, I should be able to purchase a PS5 with surrender and like my actions, like as in like you know, fine, I'll buy a PS5. That should that's how it should be at this point, but that's not how it is. This is our first mailbag episode. I feel like it went well. I feel like people ask good questions. Yeah, you know. Um, Send more questions, baby. We'll yeah, do this send more again. questions. I send love more it. Listen, we love questions. Is, part of the problem with the mailbag too is that I just will dick around and actually answer people and trade recommendations. I'm gonna play chess with some people. Like this, this is great. I love these emails. This is great. It feels like pen pals. <laughs> it feels like being on a forum back in 1998 again. You know what I mean? I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. You can hit us both at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We will see you guys. And listen, 
Shouts out to our brain dance editor, Erica Cervantes, producer. Uh, yeah, you know, shout out to Erica. Super futuristic. Super futuristic. Super futuristic. Super. Wow. I really. The Erica thing is, is like, going to come in here with about, mantis like, blades and just cut out whole chunks of this episode with the mantis blades. Just slice, slice, slice. Yeah, Erica, Erica Silverhand Cervantes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. We will see you guys when we see you guys. When are we back? I don't even know. We have, we'll you, be back. We'll, we'll you know, be back. Holidays. We'll be back in the. We'll be back in the new year. You know. Yes. Yes. Y'all take it easy till then. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.